friends. I'm so excited about this episode. <laughs> I'm like flapping my hands around. It's going to be a good one. Flappy bird style. <laughs> Remember that? R.I.P. R.I.P. I had that on my phone for like a year after it got deleted from the app store. Like out of spite? Well, like I didn't want to delete it and then like want to play it again. You know. Just in case. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Brandon. Who do we have as a very special guest today? Today, we have someone who I have really adored on TikTok because they do such a great job at presenting scientific content in a way that makes sense with my brain, which is not a very scientific brain. So I really appreciate actually getting to learn stuff and have it process in a way that allows me to keep that information in my brain. But we have uh, Nika from Ches Flora on the podcast right now. Hello. Hello. Thank you for being with us today. It's an honor. Yeah, thank you for having me. We're excited to learn. Heck yeah. So why don't you tell us a little bit about your background in plants, how you got involved in them, like how you how you are today, what got you to love them? Yeah, so so yeah, my name's Nika. Um, I am a fifth-year botany student at Colorado State University here in Colorado, obviously. Um, and uh, I started with plants a long time ago. I was thinking about this before I came on the show, but... Um, I used to have plants like as a pre-teenager in my um, in my bedroom and they were horribly etiolated, like stretched out succulents and like Relatable. sad cacti, but I had them. And I actually, I still even have a cactus from way back then, which is very old and sad now. But anyway, um, my, and then my dad is actually, uh, he grows trees. And um, so I've always been around plants. We have a really, or my parents have a really big backyard um, and so we always grew up with a garden and lots of plants around. Um, and I guess I never really thought about them as like a career or as something that I really wanted to do until I got to college. And I had a really amazing teacher for um, my 120 like intro to botany course. Um, because I was undeclared going into college or I thought I wanted to do um, like applied sciences like engineering or um, I'm also interested in architecture but that's kind of like a long-term life goal maybe Um, but so I thought I was doing that and I had this amazing teacher for my first year of botany and I was like okay plants plants are really cool they're they're so much more complex and um, complicated and intricate much more than um the general public or like I ever thought before. And that was really exciting. And so then I I started, I was a horticulture major for a hot second and found again that I just, I really liked the, the hard science of it all and had already had a fair amount of experience with horticulture, working with my dad and um, working on nurseries and gardening and all that. And I, and I wasn't sure I wanted to like run a greenhouse or, or do something like that. So, so I went the, so now, so long story short, now I'm in the botany program, which is uh, pretty small at CSU. I think there's only maybe, maybe like 30 students in the oh botany gosh. program. Yeah. It's like, it's really, that, really though. tiny. Um, and, uh, and I love it. I like it. It's so, it's so much fun. And like the semesters that I haven't taken as much uh, plant um, related courses, I'm just sad and uh so it's been really really (laughs) cool and um the world of botany again is just like so much more complex and intricate than 
you could think like you think like oh animals are like way more complex and they like move around and uh maybe they're more interesting for a lot of people but but even though plants have a totally different uh life sort of life cycle and then also functionality sort of in their shape and their form um, the way that they can respond to their environment is actually just as complex, but maybe, or, or certainly more nuanced than their ant animal counterparts. Um, and, and then I'm also, I'm also technically a French major. So that's partially why I'm a fifth year undergraduate student because I'm Amazing. That's so yeah, cool. It's pretty fun. It's, it's obviously like a completely different department. So that's, I just have a lot of credit. Like, I think I'm going to graduate with like 400 credits, which oh is my gosh. Yeah, insane. I can't it's imagine. just not. UWO Claire would have been like, you got to pay for two majors. That'll be double I, the funds. Yeah. <laughs> Even when I was going to be like a music education major, they set it up as a double major. They're like, you go through the music program, you go through the education program. And it's like two separate oh, majors. Insane, which I didn't obviously, yeah. it didn't even make it past the first year. So I'm not a double yeah. major type of girl. <laughs> it, oh man. I mean, it, it's, I've taken it really slow. Uh, my mom actually works at CSU. So I get a fat discount. Um, oh, otherwise yes. I would not be able to do this. Like I really wouldn't. That's like, that is such a privilege that is allowing me to go to university and to like choose what I want to do and to stay, um, a year and a half extra and um, do those extra credits so that, that I don't think I'll actually have 400 credits, but <laughs> it, it is, it is a lot of classes for sure, but I I'm, I'm really proud of it. And like, I was just going to do a French minor. Um, I lived in France for like six months before I came to school and also yeah, very fun, very privileged thing to do. It's, it's like the singular luckiest thing I've ever done in my life. But um <laughs> But my French teacher was like, yeah, I'm not going to let you do a minor. Like, you have to do a major. Like, I'm not going <laughs> to let you stop now. Like, okay, okay, I guess I'm double majoring, but fine. So, so and then, so that's my education background, I guess. Um, but Chez Flora is my business that I've been running since 2018, I believe. And um, it's a houseplant company, um, but I specialize in doing consults and um like in-home care, and I also do virtual consults. And basically, I help people with um, existing plants or new plants that they want to get. Um, and I use science to kind of teach them about their plants. Um, I also offer things like repotting service and pruning, and um, I'll do propagation, or sometimes I'll do rehabs where I'll actually like take plants home from people and then bring them back when they're better. Um, I kind of do anything that people want me to. Um, it, it's really fun because it's 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 creative too. Like it is very mm -hmm. much a horticulture um, sort of job. I don't think about it as a job, but mm -hmm. um, it's horticulture. But then, like, I'm also helping this one uh, woman with her like interior design of her house, like because <laughs> the plants go with that, and I like interior design stuff, so I'm helping her with that. And then. Um, I was helping someone uh, plan a wedding and then um, I just, yeah. So I do lots of odd jobs and I'm pretty much open to whatever people want to do. And I like experimenting and learning with that. And then I also sell plants retail at a small little boutique in um, the old town, like the cute little uh, downtown area in my city. And that's really fun. Um, 
so yeah, that's that's me. That's <laughs> I love it. Are you so yeah. are you originally from Colorado? Yeah, I am. So so I live in Fort Collins, which is about an hour north of Denver. And I was born and raised here. Um, never thought I would go to CSU, never thought I would stay here, but it's actually been, it's been really lovely. And I have an amazing community here and it's cool to have my parents really close by. They literally live like six blocks away. Um, <laughs> it's, it's really special. I've come to really appreciate it and, um, yeah, really value like all the people that I know and, and, um, yeah, like you can't really beat having like a close community of people all around the neighborhood. Oh yeah. Do you have a lot of like local plant friends or people that you're trying to get into plants? Um, I have, I have not a ton of plant friends locally. I know a lot of people like in the local plant community. Um, I, I keep myself very busy. <laughs> um, Relatable. So, yeah. So I, again, I'm a full-time student and I run Shea Flora. I had a restaurant job for a long time and uh, I, I'm not doing that anymore, but I actually just got a new job at, um, this is another cool planty thing, um, at the National Laboratory for Genetic Resources Preservation, which is like a really, Fancy. really long name, but, but we just call it the Seed Lab. And uh, uh, the whole deal is it's run by the USDA and um it's a seed vault so we protect genetic resources and we categorize and take lots of samples we literally have uh i want to say five million accessions of seeds and cuttings and um, different plants and even some animal samples from all over the world to protect protect the genetic resources that that holds that is so, so like, cool it's it's really cool it's really amazing um it's uh and then and then the the whole deal is is that like the building is like apocalypse proof so it has like four <laughs> foot four foot deep like they're protecting them they're like if and, we like, go extinct these plants are staying yeah, yeah no that's literally what it's for so so i haven't officially started that yet but but that is that's my new like big girl botany job. Well, that'll be so um, cool. I, yeah, yeah, that is I'm so really, cool. I'm really excited about that. So that's like that's like the big botany news in my life. Yeah, you should make some um, TikToks about that. We want to hear yeah, about it. Yeah, I will. I actually i i should I should say that like some of it is like it's not like confidential work. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say it's probably but, a little secret. But I secret. do need to like. I need to get briefed on like what I can. Oh yeah, they're probably gonna make you sign like an NDA or something. Can't yeah, talk yeah, about like the I'm not plants. trying to get like. <laughs> yeah, the plants that we took like... from like other planets or something. <laughs> right, right, or like yeah, like there is like some security stuff around it, but what I've told you, I mean, like, is totally mm -hmm. fine. But I, I want to. Well, and I'm curious too. Like maybe I could make videos there and like show people what happens. Like I think that'd be really cool, or even start an account for them because it's really yeah. amazing. Oh yeah, yes. Bring um, that up. Start an account. Yes. Yeah, I think it would be really cool, and I think it could be like a really fun thing. That's that's like not what I was hired to do at oh all. My gosh, but, but that's but what people need. Really awesome. mm -hmm. People who care about like what they're doing and be like, you know, yeah, I want to yeah. share with people why it's important to preserve plants. Why should mm -hmm. we even care about the genetics of these plants and preserving them? 
Yeah, so. it's really, it's really amazing. So that's, that's a very cool thing. And hopefully, even if I can't share like too much, like while I'm there, I'll, I'll definitely make videos about like what I'm doing and about like the fact that it even exists. Like mm -hmm. there's, there's a bunch of them all over the world, like seed vaults like that. Because isn't there one in Antarctica? There's one in Norway. Or somewhere um, really cold. So it must be the Norway yeah. one that I'm thinking. Yeah, I think it's, it's the like, Norway one. It's like in the middle. Like, yeah, it's like a. Yeah, I'm like, I know the people know. in Antarctica. <laughs> the people in Antarctica <laughs> are vaulted in when it's like, it's super, super cold up there. So they got to like, I've seen that. I, I, that's what I love about TikTok is I see all parts of the world. So I'm like, yeah, I've seen yeah. videos of people up there <laughs> where they like turn the whole thing and they're like, yep, it's like negative 50 degrees out today. Um, I can't stand out here for more than five seconds or I'm going to die. So have a good yeah. day, guys. Like, <laughs> yeah, TikTok's crazy like that. And you just like, you're just scrolling through and you see like every different environment. It's really, really cool. Yeah. Uh, the one there is like under a mountain. And then the one here is just like at the university. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, it's just like, it looks, it looks like any other building from the outside, except that like one portion of it obviously has like zero windows on it mm -hmm. um but like you would you would have no idea that it it was there but it's not like a secret that it's there <laughs> i was i was imagining like it would look like a maximum security prison and you're like going through security even getting into the parking lot and there's like gates and barbed wire people with machine guns <laughs> yeah oh there's, people, there's people on the roof looking over the Oh, looking over the land, like I'm protecting these plants. Yeah, that's the only security job I would take. <laughs> protecting the protecting biodiversity. Yes, I love it. No, seriously, I'm, I think you'd be good at that. They definitely have like locked doors, but it's it's pretty chill. I mean, it is it is still just the USDA. So <laughs> if you know anything about the USDA, it's like kind of farmery. Yeah, like the a USDA, bit. it's like cows. The first thing that comes to my brain. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, they're like, we're not in relation with the military whatsoever. <laughs> no, no, not very different vibes for sure. Uh, similar bureaucracy, maybe, <laughs> but uh, but no, it, it, it's it's cool stuff. I'll I'll, uh, I'll send you guys photos or something. Um, yeah, so that's my big girl botany job. Uh, Shay Flora, we talked a little bit about. Um, that's you. That's, yeah. that's me. That is me. Uh, <laughs> I like, I like eating a lot of food. Those are my other things. I like food and I like art and design. Um, and yeah, but plants are kind of a little bit all encompassing, but it's cool to, it's cool to get like, again, the science behind it and like explain the magic to people. I think that's, that's what like really gets me going these days is I think when, when I started getting into plants, I was like, wow, like there's so much we don't know, or it was really, I don't know. Like there was so <laughs> much that I didn't know, but as you like dig deeper, you're like, oh yeah, somebody studied that. Like, like there's a paper that you could read mm -hmm. about like cell signaling or like, you know, the leaves moving. And we think it's all just like magic, but it's, mm -hmm. I mean, the majority of it, is, uh, of it is just chemistry, which is, very cool. I, I've found that I really enjoy chemistry, which a lot of people are like, oh, oh, oh how could here. you? I like yeah, the not, math. Yeah, like which the is fine. I totally, it. I totally get it. Um, but if you're not like applying chemistry, like obviously you're not going to find it interesting. But if you can, if you have like a base level understanding of that, you can start to understand like 
really, really the basis of how plants work and um, and that can give you then better skills to treat them and diagnose and care for them in general. So that's like kind of what I try to do with Shea Flora is bring the science to people in a way that is accessible and um, hopefully fun is the other idea. <laughs> plants uh, are always fun. Yeah. I uh, love that you guys also, both of you have like all the plant merch all the time. <laughs> the shirt. I'm, endless. Love it. I'm so always good. wearing a plant shirt. Yeah, I can't Nicole's help more than me. I just wear the same shirts every day. <laughs> it's like a problem. Like uh, most of my uh, wardrobe now is like plants, t-shirts and sweatshirts. Yeah. So like, <laughs> hell yeah, like, awesome. That, like, every that, time, like, I a friend puts out a shirt, I'm like, oh, I need that. Or, like, my, my mom gets me a lot of, hi, mom. My mom gets me a lot of plant shirts. I'm like, oh, I found this for you. I thought you'd like it. Which, I'm, of course, yes. Thank yeah, you. Yeah, thank you. Yep, but I'm like, I need to be done with the sweatshirts, though. That's a problem. I know. I'm hot I already. mean, I have three of the same one from you yeah. now. Yeah, well, that's, <laughs> you're welcome. <laughs> Which is nice, though, because one's always clean. Well, and you are the only person. So basically, long story short, the printing supplier we use messed up orders twice. And finally, on the third round, sent the the right order. But To some of them. Nicole was the only person who received the proper size. Everyone else received a size completely opposite of what they ordered. I kept getting the wrong color. This is the problem when you <laughs> when you have to outsource your like shipping and packaging and everything. So yeah. it's like Brandon's out here with the great design, but he's got to rely on somebody else to be packaging it. He's not yeah, looking yeah. over what they're doing. And then they just yeah, send them hard. back. And then people are like, I got the wrong thing. And then he's like, fuck. And then, <laughs> and then he has them send like new ones and then everyone gets the wrong thing again. Uh-huh. And it's like, oh, I'd be pulling my hair out. Yeah. Oh, that's horrible. I felt so bad. We're, Do you remember what I sent you that Snapchat? able to, like, put the charge on the person, like, on the company that messed yeah, it up? Yeah, they covered yeah, they, it, right? they yeah. paid for it all. So everyone got oh, okay. three sets for the price of one, but Nicole okay, at least got one she could wear. Hilarious. <laughs> yeah, I still but fit in mine. That's kind of funny. I just did some, some merch for Shea Flora, and I did a couple test runs, like, before I ordered anything, and then I pre-ordered everything after I, like, figured out what I liked. Um, but like one of the test ones I did, like the printing was like doubled, like it just like looks really <laughs> weird and bad. And then I did like a couple different options with like the design on the front and then like something different on the back or like vice versa. And my sister, she liked this one, like, I, oh, actually it was the one that had like the double print, but then it also had like something on the front that was like kind of on like the, on your chest, like on the corner or whatever. And, and she didn't like that. So she turned the whole shirt around and then like cut the (laughs) collar so that it like fit so that that was on the front. And then like my partner has now like two or three like mess up ones. And then I have one and I have a hoodie. I don't know, but I pre-ordered it and it, it all went mostly according to plan but I like paid for the shipping here and then I'm going to pay for shipping kind of again to go to other people sort of I I was trying to figure that out as well but who knows okay the, <laughs> the, the perils of shipping plant merch how it sounds how expensive yeah it sounds expensive either oh, way oh I just we just had someone order one from the UK and I was like how much why did it just charge so much I was like why did it charge so much for a sweatshirt it was like Literally made because ours is print on demand. So when someone orders it, like mm-hmm. the company prints one of it. 
and then yeah. ships it out. And they have to charge you immediately for uh-huh. that shirt. And so I was like, oh my, because the sweatshirts are like 40 bucks. It charged like $38. And I was like, what on earth? They're like 19 bucks. Like what? It's because it's going to the UK. So it was like all the taxes to ship it to the UK is what got us. Uh, yeah, probably like <laughs> Still made $1.50 off of that. But Shout out to the person. <laughs> they might be listening. So hi, person in the UK. Sporting the Monstera Plant Co. <laughs> the first international. Yeah, you're Mr. Mr. Worldwide. <laughs> Mr. So Worldwide. special. They get a whole shout out. <laughs> Amazing. We, we like to single people out here. Yeah, we do. <laughs> it's a problem. Yeah. I'm like, I'm like, hmm, who can I single out? Hmm. No, you oh know, God. you know who I'm gonna shout out is my professor, David Steingraber. Hi, David. He, <laughs> hi, David. He he's the guy who I took 120 with like all those years ago and now i'm taking his graduate level course right now oh, that's so and cool he's, he's retiring this semester and he's like Aww. he's like the best so hi david steingraber thank you for being my my botanical inspiration <laughs> that's amazing i love yeah, that very he's, much he's a great guy uh, well, before we get into the like nitty gritty like sciencey things, because we're learning a lot today, you guys. Um, will you tell us a little bit about like your favorite plants specifically? Because I think a lot of us like uh, kind of collect the same plants, but are there any that you gravitate towards more? Like when you're shopping, like is there like, oh, I'm a Hoya person, I love my ficuses, or are you big, just kind of like open to all plants because you're just a plant lover? Um, I like the weirdos for sure. Um, I, I do, I do like Hoyas and I do, um, I don't have like a ton of rare plants. Like I, I have a lot of common stuff. I have, I have like a big Thai constellation. Yeah, I'm like, you have a massive Thai constellation. (laughs) Okay. That, that makes up for anything else, but no, I I got that for $40. Oh, that makes it even better. Oh my god! That makes it yeah, even better. Yeah, I got that for forty dollars as a cutting in twenty twenty or twenty nineteen. That's still very good. Was it a bi- how big it was? It was cutting? big. It was big. It was big already. Was so it just it was like from, a very generous plant person? Because I feel like it was. I think it was some. So okay. So well, long story. I used to work at this hostel in town called the solarium which is no longer but it's it's in this um building that was built in the 70s that has an atrium in the center it's here like locally and uh and they have like ficus trees and monsteras and pothos and everything like growing inside like it's like tropical in there and they had two thai constellations in there that were planted in there literally in like the 1980s or something like when probably when Thai constellation was like created, right? So mm-hmm. many years ago. They're being passed and, around. Yeah, passed around. And and um and so they were there for a long time. And I think the the hostel was trying to like oh yeah, it was during it was during the pandemic. It was like right at the very beginning of the pandemic last or March of 2020. Like last March. No, 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 two, two. Oh, oh my god. And um and, and yeah, and I think they were trying to like raise some money. And so I think they chopped one of them up and like gave cuttings away for like, again, really not very expensive. I even told them, I was like, hey, like if you're trying to like raise funds right now because they didn't have anyone staying in the hostel because it was a pandemic. Um, but like, you can be charging like way, way, way more for these. <laughs> like I'm talking about like 10 times more mm-hmm. than what you're charging. 
or whatever, you know, however much. But they were like, no, 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 this is good. Okay. <laughs> You're like, shit, so, I'm not going to. So there are, there are some other people, like, in the area who also have cuttings from the same plant. Um, but I got the top cutting, which is why it never had, like, smaller leaves. Because the other cuttings were, like, just the, mm-hmm. you know, the center one with a big leaf on it. But, but mine didn't have to. I think it put out, like, one slightly smaller leaf while it was rooting. But now the leaves are like literally bigger than I am. Like really, that plant is, it's kind of a pain in my ass. Oh yeah. I'm sure it takes, yeah. (laughs) Right, right. Like there's literally, it has, it takes up like a whole corner of my plant room. Like there's, and there's nowhere else I could put it. Like my partner's like, oh, that would be cool if we could have it in the living room. Yeah. Like like, it would be cool. Wouldn't it be cool? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that would be cool. And then I thought about like taking it to the boutique, Kansas City Kitty, which uh, I can talk about later. I'll, mm-hmm. I'll uh, name drop them too, but um, t- thought about taking it there. But then I'm like, okay, like I don't want someone to like break into their shop to, because like someone would try to steal this plant. Like it's that type of mm-hmm. plant that someone oh, would Oh yeah, people are crazy. Uh-huh. Yeah, so, so I don't want to ni- take it Next there. Vice documentary. <laughs> oh my God, <laughs> horrible. Well, and then like I hear like all these horrible stories about like plant shops getting broken into and like most oh, of the time they're just bad. like stealing money, but it, that just like makes me. They, there's been months where they're straight up stealing plants like Arium in, uh, is it Portland? Yeah, Arium. They had, they, yeah, they had multiple and I think that it's each so time sad. it was, I think they took plants each time. Also, oh. Like it's that's so nuts. Like really, and I think the second time it was like really uncommon cacti, like just these massive old plants. Oh, they get some big, big bother. plants in, and they have a giant t- yeah, constellation oh there. God, you probably couldn't move that thing like, out if you tried. They have yeah, such a big so one. Amazing. I'd love I mean, to like, go over you there. have to be like seriously prepared for what you were gonna do. Oh, yeah, to, like, yeah. They, you don't just like randomly decide like, oh, I'm just driving past this plant shop. Like I think usually people. Um, I think the guy cut the lock too. Like they're prepared to come surprise take the Nicole's the ringleader. <laughs> yeah, I'm like I've thought about this. I have my plan. Yeah, it's bad. Well, anyway, so that plant can't live anywhere. G- going back to your question, I know we're all over the place. Uh, I don't, I don't have a lot of like super uncommon stuff, but I like, um, I like weirdos and I like sentimental stuff. So um, <laughs> probably like. My favorite plants for sure. Uh, I have a, a lemon, a really horrible looking, like it's like the most unesthetic plant that you've ever, like ugly, like not just like bad, like ugly. Um, but it's a lemon tree that is um, a cutting from my grandfather's tree in California. And Aww. they no longer live at that house anymore. They're, they're passed away, both him and my grandmother. But like I have that plant from, from that tree. So that's one. And then I also have an avocado tree that is 14 years old that I started from a pit when I was 10. Um, and it's like, it's like a what whole, the heck? it's a whole ass tree in my living room. That's why I can't <laughs> put the constellation in there is because there's a, literally a tree in my living room. You're like, I'm busy keeping these other heirloom plants alive. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, those are the, those really, like you, you just said that heirloom, those are like my favorite plants. Like mm-hmm. when I'm, when I'm uh, working with clients, a lot of the plants that I work with are really old plants, really sentimental plants to mm-hmm. people. And, and that is like so special to me. Um, cause a lot of people are like nervous about doing work on them. They don't want to mess them up. And so I can come in and like, you know, give them a little peace of mind and help out. Um, 
but but I've been able to see some really amazing collections and then old plants and people who are just like I've literally had this plant forever my grandma had it forever you know like just the generations of plant that's really cool and then I have some weirdos like some small guys and succulents in my house it's like you have to be able to dry out or you don't get to play (laughs) (laughs) like that's just that's the rule I actually I'm thinking of one I have a maiden hair yeah I'm like you have ferns what are you talking about you have I, I I do have some ferns um but for the most part, even even still though, I just have that. Okay, the maidenhair fern that I have, I have it way over planted, so I have it in a pot that is like too big. For It'll the take plant. a while to dry out, and, you're and like, oh, so it remember. takes longer to dry out. So that's like a really good tip for for ferns is like, yeah, overpot that. Like why you don't overpot other plants is because you don't want it to stay too wet but with ferns it's like you need that so yeah i should have done with my boston fern i was watering my boston fern like every other day because it was die. just like that's too much work. it was completely uh, especially uh. when they when they sell these big plants they're so root bound they're so like oh, ready yeah. for a repot like mm-hmm. they are so thirsty so if you guys ever buy a big boston fern maybe repot it right away <laughs> yeah. it's gonna become a pain in the butt except those yeah. things that's one plant that i could never hang up like i really i love the look of a big hanging boss and fern i think it's stunning when they look good um but they're very heavy like it's mm. a very heavy yeah. plant it's a lot of soil so mm-hmm. that i actually like hung one up at my old apartment and i used <laughs> two stick on command hooks i'm like oh we'll, we'll, we'll just God. double up because that's good right um and it didn't i don't remember if it fell or not i don't know if i if, if i took it down because i was like there's no way this thing isn't gonna fall but actually maybe it did and then it ripped the plaster off the wall how you have not had more plant falls from command hooks is beyond me. Oh yeah. Especially- I don't really, I don't have a lot of plants hung up anymore. Yeah, um, no. actually my dad came over, shout out dad. He loves when I mention him. Like he's like, <laughs> when, he's like, when are you going to bring me on the podcast? I'm like, to talk about what? And he's like, to talk about my influence on your plant journey. And like, <laughs> he's a Leo. Um, oh but my gosh, he, I love it. now I forgot what I was talking about. plants falling plants hanging um yeah yeah, so my dad came over and he actually put real hooks in the ceiling oh yeah so all of my actual hanging plants are real like anchored into the ceiling hooks nice yay thumbs up love that it's the it's the I, fanciest thing I have now. Like I I don't even have my plants on self timers yet. Yeah, no, but like I'm, real hooks in the ceiling. That's like advanced for me. No, that's great. It's this house that we live in is from the 1940s. It's like really rickety. It's beautiful. It's a beautiful house. But they have like there were already hooks in the ceiling, like in pretty much every room. Yeah. What was everyone <laughs> hanging in these old houses? Every old house I've ever lived in has hang hooks everywhere. Yeah. I, I mean, don't know. I, I thought about lamps, maybe. Maybe. Like, you know, light, have, yeah, like, ugly light fixtures. With the chains. Yeah, yeah and the, the chains. Yellow cords. <laughs> the chains. Yep. The chains. Um, but now there's a couple plants on them, but a lot of them are like weirdly close to a wall or like yeah. just not, like they're not good plant places. So yeah, no. they, I'm thinking like maybe Miss Grandma had like a themed, like a seasonal thing she'd hang up. Like my mom, in our old house, my mom used to put out flags and she would seasonally change the flag, like an Easter flag and stuff. So maybe they have like some fun decor that switches out in the ceiling. 
That's just what I was thinking about. Uh-huh. The last we had time. we had a Halloween decorations up until February this year. Oh, so. same. Oh, absolutely. Don't you, same. don't you still have some Halloween decorations up, or did you finally take them down? Those pumpkins might still be up. Those pumpkins might still be up. Oh my gosh! I, I took it. most of them down, but you know, here's this. This is wrong with my brain. You know why I haven't taken them down? Because I never plugged them in. They were never even on. They've, just, <laughs> they've been hanging up waiting to be used. So I'm like, shoot, oh, I never plugged them in. I can't take them down. They haven't even been used yet. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Also, it's right above the bunny exercise pen and just cords around her. It's not a good idea. I've oh, learned my lesson. Oh, <laughs> oh, my gosh. Okay, so we've been, uh, should we take a break before we get into, like, the Yeah, let's take a little quick break, yeah. and then we'll dive into some actual science, which we've been <laughs> promising you. And Hell, yeah. <laughs> We're learning. People always learn. I mean, they tell me they learn stuff, and I'm like, you do? What? <laughs> yeah. I'm glad. No, I love oh it. I, yeah. All right, we'll, we'll talk about Halloween decorations next time. We'll make a new a new podcast. We're actually going to for- start a Halloween decoration podcast, <laughs> you guys, so stay tuned. Yeah, you're going to be jealous <laughs> of my styrofoam skulls. <laughs> okay, enjoy the break. <laughs> hey, Minneapolis friends. What are you doing April 30th, 2022? Monstera Plant Co. is hosting our first ever event, the Foliage Fling and Market. This event will start with a plant swap where you can trade plants with other local planty people. And after the swap, you can stay a while and shop our market full of plants, vintage, and other local vendors. We'll even have a food truck so you can stay and hang out all day. There's also going to be a scavenger hunt for the two weeks before the event where you can hunt down your dream plants and other great prizes. But don't worry, if you don't win the scavenger hunt, you can always enter the raffle and win big at the event itself. Go to www.monsteraplant.co to find out all the details and register for the plant swap. Also, if you do have a business local to Minneapolis or St. Paul and would be interested in becoming a vendor, send us an email at contact at monsteraplant.co. We can't wait to see you on Saturday, April 30th for the Foliage Fling and Market brought to you by Monstera Plant Co., Siempre Viva Vintage, and Ambibulis. Come hang out with me and Nicole and let's have some fun and swap some plants. Hey plant friends, it's Nicole. Listen, I love chatting plants with you guys on Instagram, but it can be tough for me to get to all of my messages. So if you've ever wanted to book me for a virtual plant consultation, you can go to superpeer.com slash Nicole Larson grows and use code grow. That's G-R-O-W for a discount. I do 15 minute, 30 minute and 60 minute consultations. We can talk anything from pests to transitioning to LECA, anything you want. I promise it's not scary. (laughs) All right, the ad is over. Back to the plants. And we are back. Welcome back, friends. This is this. Now we're getting into the nitty gritty. Yes. Yeah, so now we are into the science. So we all know that the nucleus is the powerhouse of the cell. But is it mitochondria? It's mitochondria. mitochondria. <laughs> it's been a long time since I have taken a class in science. Okay. I was like, I got that. I got it. I clocked it. So let's move on to kind of more of the actual like fun stuff. About the science of plants that isn't the lame (laughs) stuff that I couldn't obviously remember from school. So, yeah. We're we're getting a little lesson. Yeah. (laughs) We're getting 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 into the physiology, getting physical. (laughs) (laughs) Brandon just spit out his drink. (laughs) Just trying to enjoy a sip of wine and you really got me roasting with those. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my gosh. Take it away. Well, so what you said about, or what you said about nuclei or nucleus <laughs> is actually, it's a great place to start. So mitochondria, <laughs> <laughs> mitochondria, 
mitochondria are the powerhouse of the cell. They, the, it, it and what is, is a powerhouse? Because honestly, What's I don't know what that means. <laughs> yeah. So, so, well, okay. Let's start She's here. HR. So, She's the headquarters <laughs> in charge. Um, yeah. Nucleus is, is the is the headquarters like you said uh that's why that's um, what i assumed a powerhouse was so that's why i said that well, no, <laughs> they, there's apparently the different departments that they work in <laughs> there are there are many different departments within the cell <laughs> but the, what the mitochondria does or what a mitochondrium which is the the singular of mitochondria which is plural um what it does is it breaks down the sugars and it makes atp which is the sort of cellular form of energy that, that plants use and that we use um it's adenosine triphosphate you don't need to know that but atp is like the energy currency of our bodies um and, and so mitochondria are taking the sugars that are produced um, in photosynthesis and sort of the mitochondria's sibling, if you will, is the chloroplast and chloroplast is what is green. It's also an organelle in the cell. So it has its own membrane. It has its own little sort of um, it's separated from like basically the living soup that is a cell. Um, cause it really is just a soup. It's, it's just messy in there. It's really, <laughs> they're all chilling. There's together. all kinds of stuff floating around. The, and, the food and, is touching in the yeah, cell. Yeah. <laughs> the food is very much touching in a cell. Um, so, so chloroplasts are an organelle, like I said, and they contain chlorophyll, which is a pigment that um that catches light sort of that's what and, our eyeballs are um, seeing yeah yep that's what we're seeing as green so something cool about both chloroplast and mitochondria just as a side note is that um the best uh sort of explanation we have for why they are in cells is that they used to be um pre-living bacteria or organisms and then they were engulfed by another plant cell and that's why mitochondria and chloroplasts have their own sets of DNA um, that evolve and like get passed down through the generations with the nucleus DNA. It's, it's just, it's really interesting. So they used to be free floating organisms and now they act as sort of the, the different powerhouses of a cell or the different like functioning parts of a cell, which is really cool. Um, so at one point somebody like engulfed another cell and then it was like, oh, like you're producing sugar or you're producing, or you were allowing me to use that sugar. This is beneficial for you to be inside of me. So I'm going to keep you. <laughs> um, and then, and then they get, they get replicated also within the cell, which is kind of cool, but back to chloroplasts and plants. Um, the chlorophyll again is a pigment and it appears to us as green and plants appear to us as green because plants are actually absorbing mostly red and blue wavelengths of light. And then they reflect out that yellow and green um, spectrum, um, which is why like a lot of grow lights you see are like that horrible, like pinky purple, like yeah. it's really bad. Like, and we don't like it, but that's blue. what the plants like. That's why blue yeah. is so rare in plants is why I hear like, we don't really see like blue flowers that much, like yeah. blue plants. Yep, so. I think it's partially because um, blue pigments themselves are really difficult to uh, synthesize like chemically. It's sort of a weird, I don't, I don't know really the, the physics or the chemistry behind that, but 
a lot of the blue that we do see, like sometimes you'll see it in begonias, that is actually structural color, meaning that if you ground up the leaves, you wouldn't be left with any blue. Um, it's it's actually sort of like the iridescence that yeah, you see it's like reflects blue. Like they never look actually blue. It's like the light bouncing off that is like looking blue. Yep, yep, exactly. And that has to do with like the size of the lens, like this weird, mm-hmm. like kind of like how a um, like a prism reflects. Yeah, like colors. Our, our eyeballs work and how that. Yeah. Like, yeah yeah so that that's freaks really me cool out stuff. yeah it is it is kind of freaky. <laughs> it is a little freaky for sure um but yeah so blue is kind of un- unusual for sure and that's also why um I- i've talked about this in some of my tiktoks but like why certain plants either in highlight environments or in low light environments will produce red pigments because red pigments are very um uh, much easier to produce and are widely used across the plant kingdom and also in other uh, organisms like, you know, red algae and other plant mm-hmm. or um, animals, excuse me. Um, but they can use that, uh, they can use that pigment to either block some of the light that's coming into their cells or to reflect light that has already gone through the leaf and such that it like goes back through the leaf and gets photosynthesized. Not again, but um, it's more just like the photons have more chance of hitting a, what's called a photoreceptor um, when it like bounces back through. Um, The photoreceptors, it sounds really scary, but it's just the parts of the chloroplast that holds the pigment. And um, I could go like really, really in depth with this. But I'll just what what I'll They're say. Like, I is could keep that, going if you want me to. <laughs> yeah, like I'll, I'll keep going a little bit further, just just for people's understanding, because it's really cool. Like this is this is the magic of plants that I was talking about. Oh, I'm like into so this. When, you, like if you guys could see my face, I'm just like, oh. <laughs> Brandon's like, oh my god. This like, is what like, this is what Mrs. Popcorn? Pepler was trying to teach me back in high school. <laughs> okay. <laughs> The amount of traumatizing science teachers I've had, I can't even get oh, into it. Oh no! Oh no! Um, one of them actually ended up almost killing someone. Anyways, <gasps> go on. Oh my god! Oh, in my high school, no. one of my science teachers just... did kill a bunch of people. No, and then no he killed way. himself. It's because you went to R. Wisconsin. Yeah. <laughs> oh no! Oh my god! <laughs> How did we get here? Oof! Oof! Now I'm like, let's talk about phono receptors. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to ask you because I remember you were talking a little bit about like the pigments and stuff. I feel like I yeah. remember a TikTok you mentioned something about like um, the colors and plants kind of acting like a sunscreen mm-hmm. um, and like the actual like color colors, like not like the green that we normally see, but like actual like colors, like the pink and the reds that we see. Yeah. Um, yep. So so that's what I was talking about. Those pigments that are, are red or pink or sometimes um, orange is a different type of chlorophyll, actually. But those red and pink ones are called anthocyanins. Um, and they're a whole it's a whole family of different types of pigments. And um, and they're produced by lots of different things in the plant kingdom, like fruits and flowers and um, and then sometimes stems. Um, we as sort of humans have um, selected for those traits, like those pigments in um, certain plants, like horticultural varieties, which is like why we have such a diversity of horticultural varieties. But like you often see maybe like begonias or also certain philodendrons, like uh philodendron pink princess of course is a really great example of that where it's like chosen yeah it's like a it it was chosen by humans for its 
uh, sort of weird coloration, but that was probably many, many generations of selecting specific plants that showed um, really high levels of anthocyanins of those pink pigments to sort of get to where we are today with the philodendron pink pr princess. Blah, blah, blah. Um, <laughs> Uh, yeah, so that that's really cool. And, and again, it can act like sunscreen because those little photoreceptors will get blocked. Like the, the red light will be reflected out before it hits those little, those little receptors. And what happens in the receptors, which is, I was going to get to before we were talking about murder, was, <laughs> <laughs> was that um, electrons, so photons come into the cells. <laughs> Photons come into the cells and electrons become excited, meaning they um, go to a higher energy state. Yeah, you can kind of think about them as like sort of vibrating with energy from the sun. Um, and, and as they fall back down, uh, in quotations, they are used, those electrons are used to do, quote, work. Um, and what they're doing is, is rearranging carbon dioxide, CO2, and water into sugar. So, so the energy that is put into those electrons is used to break, uh, yeah, break bonds and then reform different ones. It's, it's incredibly complicated. And then there's like the Krebs cycle, like there's all this Krebs cycle, I'm sorry, is uh, that's respiration. But um, yeah, basically energy come in, uh, electron get happy, electron <laughs> fall down from being happy, energy from falling down, make other thing happen <laughs> and that and that other thing is sugar so sugar is produced again out of co2 and water and then oxygen is released so that's that's basically what photosynthesis is and it's amazing it is it's it's it it's not magic we know the oh, chemistry yeah. <laughs> of it but it, it feels like magic it plants really know does. what they're doing that's why i tell people plants yeah. want to grow despite yeah, you they want to grow mm -hmm. they and, want to grow and they were and in the time that um photosynthetic organisms first evolved which is about i want to say two billion years ago ish which is a long time um obviously but uh it was like co2 was the abundant gas in the atmosphere so they were just they were just like, oh, there's a lot of this. Like, let's use that. That's cool. And nothing was using oxygen. There weren't really, maybe there were some, some respiring, like small little organisms in the sea that were, were using the oxygen, but the vast majority of our atmosphere was CO2. And then all of the oxygen that we breathe as like higher invertebrates, if you will, um, was produced by plants that we wouldn't have oxygen or certainly not as abundant oxygen uh, in the breathable form if plants had not evolved. So plants allow us to live very much. So, um, which is pretty cool too. Thank you, my friend. They've evolved yeah. with <laughs> us and we've evolved with them. I don't yeah. know why, but randomly when you said like 2 billion years ago, I was like, how is this world not rotten? Kind of like when you leave old food in the fridge for a long time. <laughs> And then I was like, well, if you really, if you really think about it, it is rotten. I mean, we fucked it up pretty bad. Like the oh, gases, yeah. like the, cause there, there's gases that are released that are when there's moldy things going on. And I'm like, that's literally what we're doing to the earth, but on a larger scale. The cars, the cars are moldy. 
the cars are moldy. No, I mean, it is, it is kind of like that, but that's why I also think that like biology is also like a really cool solution to climate change also. Um, something that bothers me a lot is like, we have the solutions to climate change. Like yeah, they yeah. exist and are out there. Um, yeah, I could, I could go down a very, uh, leftist, uh, you know, right. Like rabbit hole like... right now. I'm not going mm-hmm. to, but <laughs> yeah, we're not trying to climate doom you all. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, I, I do, I do feel that a lot, but, but like plants are something that is like, uh, it is sort of refreshing because our they're still here. Yeah. They're still here and they're happy for the most yeah, part. And they're, right? and they're also evolving. Like they're constantly evolving. It's not like they just like stopped, like evolution is still happening and we are already and already and more and more are getting some really cool, um, studies done and, um, kind of new information coming, um, out about, plants and animals that are adapting to climate change and um, and like actively changing their behaviors and sometimes in some cases even their genetics and their physical structures in order to um, uh, adapt to the, the changing climate. But it's cool because it's happening faster than we could have thought, which is very, uh, reassuring in some ways sometimes it's for the worst but you know <laughs> we, can, we can stop we can stop that there, but it, it, there are some exciting like more promising hopeful things uh from from that side yeah i do follow a couple of people on tiktok that just strictly share like good climate news um and there are good things going on like things yeah, being that. taken off the endangered species list um mm-hmm. so there are things happening that we're not talking about um random like I don't know like maybe like an organism that we haven't been able to find for a long time popping back up like just like random cool things um but anyway so we talked a bunch about like or you talked a bunch about (laughs) (laughs) uh, colorful like what makes plants colorful so what makes plants specifically like velvety and then like give off that like sparkly sheen like in our lovely anthuriums yeah yeah so so those um or at least how i've seen them described in the literature they call them iridophores or iridophores um and basically when you see that like velvety texture there is um above the layer of cells that contain chlorophyll there's a layer of cells that are pretty much just water um and so they act like little magnifying glasses because they're just like little orbs of pure or not pure water but like mostly pure water um i haven't found a whole lot of research about this but maybe this is something i could do in the future not sure about that but um uh so basically they're they're mostly water and they act like um magnifying glasses and so that allows plants like that like anthuriums and other tropical varieties like again begonias sometimes um exhibit that same sort of shiny shimmery silvery looking effect Um, that's magnifying the low levels of light that they may experience in a place where they grow, which is like the understory of a tropical rainforest. And in the rainforest, um, every resource that's there is under uh, extreme, extreme pressure because there's so many organisms living on top of each other. So, So like the soil, like if there's any nutrients in the soil, like 
Um, there, there are reports of tree roots growing up other trees and then like putting their roots down into the crevices of branches because that's where like organic matter falls from the canopy um, because there's so little nutrients in the soil. Like they literally grow up trees to like, like find nutrients. Trees like, I gotta do what I gotta do. <laughs> <laughs> totally. So, so um, that's like, that's that evolution thing at work. Like they, they are living in this environment and these little traits that they acquire mostly through mutation um, sometimes confer an advantage, sometimes allow them to uh, be more successful. Um, if they're allowing, if they're getting more light, then they can maybe flower earlier because flowering takes a ton of energy off the plant. Um, and like flowering structures generally aren't photosynthetic. Uh, photosynthetic so they're just uh well there are some that are but um in general they are solely for reproduction and especially if that uh like pollination is successful like that's a lot of energy that the plant is investing into something that may not work um but so so yeah velvetiness is are those little iridophores and then of course like the pigmentation can like aid in that so sometimes you get the red backs of the leaves which i sort of talked about um and uh and then the texture i'm i'm not so sure about that one like why we actually feel that um a lot of plants that grow in tropical areas have um waxy or like really smooth surfaces and um that is to keep uh water from sitting on the leaves because there there's so much water that they want to shed them off shed the water off so that the leaves literally don't like rot in the air because it's so humid um so like Monstera deliciosa, for example, has that like really waxy, shiny, a lot of philodendrons also. And then that's also uh, why their leaf shape, sometimes they'll have like those little, um, well, the leaves will be pointy generally and hang down. Um, and that is to um, to sort of allow the water to drain off of it really yeah, effectively. Got their drip so tips. Yeah, encourage those yeah. little droplets to form. I know a lot of people will see them like the day after you water and you come back yeah. and your plants like releasing all that extra sweating. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so that's called guttation. Um G U T T A T I O N. I think guttation. And um and that also sometimes happens uh it, it 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 like you said it generally happens after you water, but what the physiology behind that is actually not so much that there's too much water. It can be that, but generally what's happening is that the plant is pushing air um air molecules that are stuck in the vasculature or like the vascular plumbing of the plant. There'll, there'll be little air droplets because if the soil was really dry before and then you put water on it, um, there may be like air droplets. So, so the water pushes those out kind of, which is why there's extra water coming out of the, the tips. Interesting. Um, I'm yeah, sure so whenever there's like a big flow of water, there's probably a big flow of oxygen. Things are being mixed around. Like I even, I know that when I water certain plants, even if I put like funny fertilizer on, like it'll literally bubble up like before mm. going down, like oh, just yeah. because like there's a lot of like water that's rushing and it's like pulling up and it's like literally bubbling. So it's like, there's like extra oxygen flowing through there. Well, yeah, so that's mostly that, that's mostly the <laughs> monster <laughs> dripping on you. And in... oh yeah, 
Sometimes it's sweet too if you taste it. I wouldn't do that if you're doing like systemic insecticide or <laughs> certain fertilizers. But like the I taste tip. my plants. It's kind of weird, but I do it. Like like uh, like philodendron glad hands, which you mentioned during mm-hmm. the break. Um, uh, they have uh, what are called the extra frill nectaries. I was just going to yeah. ask you about those because because people always call the extra frill nectaries cutation, but. Mm isn't it kind of separate? Cause I feel like like the water droplets and the actual sap, I feel like those are two different things happening. They are two different things. So uh, I just mentioned the vasculature of the plant, but um, plants have sort of two types of um, plumbing. I'm going to use that if you will. <laughs> um, and, and that is they have xylem and they have phloem. So xylem is the, the tissues in the plant that carry water and xylem only goes up. Um, So that means it's going from the roots up into the leaves and then pushing out the leaves. So xylem is where that gutation is happening. And then the extra fructonectaries, I, what is it, IFN? IFN, yeah. Yeah, or yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, uh, They are coming from the phloem and the phloem is, moves in both directions in the plant. And that's where sugars and minerals and amino acids and like all that kind of stuff is moving around. Um, and in general, the xylem is going to be on the interior of the stem, sort of like in the middle. And then the phloem will be exterior to that. So the phloem will be in like kind of a ring around the outside. In monocots, it's different than dicots. We can talk about that in a yeah. second. Um, <laughs> uh, it, it'll be different, but generally the phloem is on the outside and the xylem is on the inside, um, which protects the, the xylem and like the water moving parts of the plant from external... Um, like if the plant gets bent or cut, the water is much more important than the phloem is, like than the um, sugar and minerals are, because water, of course, is just like the the basis of life, obviously. But <laughs> but it's important. It's important for plants too. So they've evolved to have to sort of protect that um, from the the outside of the plant, also. Oh my god! I thought um, of another random question. Yeah, I just keep throwing these in. <laughs> I love it. Because well, like, you talked about when you like chop a plant and like water and all this. So when I chop hypothetically my pink princess and it looks like a bloodbath, what's all that shit coming out of the stem? Good, so so that um, <laughs> I have stained many <laughs> a, a carpet. Question. Yeah, so, oh my God. I've stained my clothes with that shit. It's really oh bad. yeah. So so what you're seeing is both. Um, is both fluid from the xylem and from the phloem. So uh, like I said before, um, the xylem, which is the water moving parts again, is moving uh, water up. And there's actually like, you can think about it as a big straw. And what is sucking is um, the lack of humidity in the air. So there's a lot in theory, right? In this situation, there's a lots of water in the soil and lots of water in the plant, but there's not a lot of water outside of the plant. And so um, the water sort of gets sucked through these tubes and there's actually pressure. Just like skin. There's... <laughs> <laughs> Just like skin, yeah, in the wintertime, it's super dry. Well, that's, I mean, that's, water goes like, that's a, that's a, um, like a middle school biology project that you may have done is like, uh, soaking an egg in vinegar or in water and then like weighing it and stuff like that. And, and basically what that is supposed to show you is that 
um, water moves to where there is less water as just like a principle, um, whether it's by diffusion or osmosis, uh, water goes where there is none because basically the chemical gradients are trying to equilibrate or whatever. Um, but uh, going back to xylem, xylem is sucking the, the water through the plant. And so sometimes when you cut it, that sort of force and that pressure is still moving upwards and there's still pressure from the roots that's pushing the water up. So you'll see like sometimes immediately when you cut, you'll see like liquid pushing mm -hmm. from the bottom half of the plant and maybe not so much from the top half of the plant because most of the time it's going up. Oh, that shit. Being said, yeah, there you go. <laughs> like, let's go grab a pink princess. Yeah, I'm like, let's yeah, do an example. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, and then, and then the because the phloem is moving both ways, um, you can think about the phloem as moving sap, like what we think about as being sap. That's that's pretty much what that is. Um, and and that's I want to say simple, that simple the, syrup. the sap that's coming out that I'm feeling on the external nectaries, and like, oh, it's just the phloem. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yep, pretty much. Part well, the phloem, the phloem is the tissue, but the sap is the stuff that comes out. Yeah, you're totally right, though. Amazing. Um, but I think, I think, uh, if I'm not mistaken, I think pigments are are most always um, secluded to the phloem, and there's not a whole lot of them in the xylem. So most of the pink stuff, like that, would come mm -hmm. out of a pink princess, would be from the phloem, whereas like the water would come mm -hmm. out of the xylem. Yeah, like when I accidentally knock off Hoya leaves and shit, the little like white um, yeah. liquid that comes out right away and it like yep. crusts over. Yep. Like, yep. Same with ficus too mm -hmm. or euphorbia. They um, all have that sort of sticky. Even uh, Syngonium does like a white uh, blood. Oh, I don't have many Syngoniums. I maybe have two. Yeah, it's really weird. I was shocked that it come out came out white. Usually like philodendrons, I guess like my darker ones, like the really colorful ones will have that colorful Mm -hmm. um cut i guess but then like really like boring green leaves like they just are i guess clear water yeah yeah but then that so good smell yeah that good but yeah smell the smell so um like philodendron god hands you said that mm -hmm. you maybe chopped and uh, it has a really interesting smell so sometimes those smells are um, they're produced by what are called secondary compounds. And sometimes anthocyanins, like we just talked about, sometimes those are considered secondary compounds because they're not, um, basically the definition of that is that they're not directly, um, like their purpose isn't directly to like allow the plant to live. They're, they're like additional things. So, so sometimes it smells or sometimes it's pigments or sometimes it's um, sugars that are like to reward something that's going to eat the fruit or something like that. So those are secondary compounds. And, um, and, uh, oh no, I'm losing my train of thought. Um, the, the pigments or, oh, the smell, that's what I was going to talk about. So the smell could be, uh, like it might smell good to us, but it may actually be like an herbivory, uh, deterrent. There may be specific compounds in the sap that, uh, taste like really, really bitter or taste really um, like salty sometimes or or even putrid or like there's lots of different defense mechanisms and we might think it smells good. Uh, but in reality, like if you bit into that and you're like munching around in the moment, <laughs> like eating a salad, you'd be like, ooh, that was <laughs> gross. Like not going to eat that one. And, and a lot of 
especially tropical plants um, have a ton of those, uh, especially species as opposed to horticultural varieties, um, have a lot of those uh, defense mechanisms that protect them. Interesting. Are they like yeah. protecting themselves? Or are they protecting us from killing ourselves from eating it? <laughs> um, well, so something that we um, talk a lot about in biology in general is um, animals. Sometimes it's debatable because they uh, like they have sort of intelligence like we do. Oh, mm -hmm. It's I, like I, plants this, are looking this, out from this themselves. This gets really this gets really messy. But um, <laughs> we're getting philosophical now. <laughs> yeah, we are a little bit. But but something that we're really careful about in biology in general is um, not not talking about plants like they know what they're doing because in general, they don't. Um, they are products of evolution. They're products of uh, chemistry and their physiology or whatever, but they're not like, hey, I'm trying to protect you. They're, they're completely, um, well, yeah, you, we could get, yeah. Well, um, it's they, in their they're, genes. They're it's what they're programmed. Helpless. Yeah, they're programmed yeah, to do it but, and they don't but, know why. But how they get, um, how they are, um, how certain things like that occur, again, goes back to evolution and goes back to, hey, like this is conferring me an advantage. This is allowing me to reproduce and to pass my genetics on. So generally I would say it's to protect them because, uh, because they, they will, um, they, like if they got eaten, obviously they're not going to make babies. Like, <laughs> but, but at the same time, like there are certain, um, animals and stuff that look like they're poisonous, right? Like, you know, like dart frogs and stuff like that. They're sort of a warning sign to, um, animals because if they were poisonous and they didn't look poisonous, things would probably still eat them, right? Like things would probably be like, oh, that just looks like a frog. I'm going to eat it. I'm looking at and you then, mushrooms. Okay, maybe they got poisoned and died anyway. Yeah. Right. Um, uh, you know, they got poisoned and died anyway. So it, it's just like an extra layer that like actually keeps them from getting eaten. I don't know. So there's there's lots of levels of that. And, and then there's mutualism and like other ecology sorts of concepts we could get into. But with any of your questions, I'm just going to like run down like a huge rabbit hole. And like, we can, <laughs> we can do a whole well, yeah, every, every time happen. you go into something, I think of another question that I want to ask. And I'm oh, like, great. No, I, it's amazing. <laughs> that's that's way better than having not anything to talk. You know, I'm glad yeah, that I literally you're... grabbed the most random like topics to talk about. And half of them have nothing to do with each other. But it's just fun plants stuff and yeah, yeah. random things that come up I do want to make like a fun right turn because I just look I just mm -hmm. just looking at the fasciation word which mm -hmm. a lot of people have never heard of that but sometimes yeah. people randomly get like a mutant leaf that comes out like double or something and like oh my god what's going on with my plant so yeah tell us about so it yeah, mutations are one of my favorite things to to talk about and to find and to kind of uh, think about like conceptually. So um, I guess where we'll start. So so fasciation is what you asked about, which is basically when the plant like crests or the top of it sort of becomes elongated, generally like horizontally as opposed to growing straight up. So sometimes you see like the I think they call them coral cactus 
or sometimes they'll call things crested. Um, uh, but so so to, to talk about that, first we need to talk about meristems. And that's a really fancy word for growth point. Um, and a lot of people like, oh, when you start to learn about propagation, you start to learn about meristems. But basically there's like a meristem at the top of the plant and there's a meristem at the tips of the roots. And um, this is where the cells are actively dividing and new plant tissue is um, being produced. So that's where all the new leaves are produced, new stem tissue, that as well. Um, so uh, something I like to say too, and this is a David Steingraberism, um, <laughs> is that like the story about Jack and the Beanstalk of him like holding onto the base and then like getting pulled up into the sky uh, really doesn't work because like, or it doesn't hold water, if you will. Oh, because yeah. the tissue it's that is- It's not growing out of the ground. Yeah, it's not growing out of the ground. It's growing from the tip. So he would hold on to it and it may get- thicker or it may get but he would he would stay in the same place and the the vine would you know be growing up into the sky um if he could somehow hold on to the meristem he still would get stuck at that section unless he like continually climbed onto the part where it was dividing uh never took that one that far ever before but <laughs> <laughs> like, well, um, hypothetically if you were on a beanstalk like if you were yeah like if you like hooked onto the new leaf and you could like <laughs> climb up through the marathon um so so yeah so new leaves are produced there and new stems and um it's it's where uh, like I said, cells are dividing. So generally they are dividing uh, via mitosis, meaning that they are creating, um, basically one cell splits into two identical daughter cells. Um, and, and that's what's supposed to happen, right? Uh, sometimes mutations happen, whether it's, uh, generally it happens in the DNA or sometimes, um, like there's all different types of mutations and like it's it's really wild all the different things that can happen but but one thing might happen in the dna that causes that um division of the cells to happen uh to continue happening horizontally as opposed to um the meristem just growing like one section, like sort of one module of plant and then like another one. You can think about the, the nodes as modules of a plant because they grow very differently than us. Um, that's sort of a cool, uh, cool word or like a cool fact, which most people understand, but uh, plants have indeterminate growth, meaning that they just grow like in theory, infinite parts um, that are similar to each other. Whereas humans and other animals have or not all other animals, but most animals have um, determinate growth. We have two hands, we have two eyes, we have one nose, and it will always have those things. Like we're not gonna continue growing arms and legs. Um, so, so what can happen sometimes, going back to meristems, is that the meristem will start dividing horizontally as, a well, as well as vertically. And, and that's what causes uh, sort of exponentially, all of those cells start dividing and you start getting this really crazy fanning effect um, where the meristem like continues growing sideways. So that's what fasciation is. And it can happen in stems and it can happen uh, also sometimes in flowers. Like if you like Google fasciation, um, you can see like crazy flowers, like sunflowers that are all like wiggly and weird. Um, really, really cool stuff. 
Um, fasciation is one example of a mutation type, but other types like including variegation or um, even uh, like sometimes I've seen like, you know, weird leaves, like you, like you mentioned where it's like, oh, it has like three lobes on it, or it has like this weird ridge in the middle, or like there's no leaf at all. And it's just a petiole, like really sort of strange stuff. And um, sometimes the, the plant just like literally makes mistakes. Like it's not, <laughs> it's not that the plant is actively doing that, right? Like that's that tele teleological thing I was talking about before where we're like assigning intelligence, which doesn't work. <laughs> but um but uh, um, yeah, sometimes in that division process in the meristems, stuff gets messed up and sometimes it continues and sometimes it just happens once and like, it's it, it that's it. Um, variegation, for example, uh, the reason why some forms of variegation are really unstable is because there's large sections of the plant where that variegation is occurring and large sections where it's not. And if there's not a good mix of that happening in the meristem where those cells are dividing, that variegation won't be um, sort of proliferated or the opposite, or it'll go all white and then you have an all white plant and that's not good either. Um, so basically the, the meristem can only make new cells out of what it's given. And so if it doesn't have a good mix, like again, in the case of irrigation, then it will sort of switch one way or the other. The plant's like, I gotta go my own way. I gotta do what they gotta <laughs> do. One thing that came up when you were talking about all of that, that kind of like was a question in my brain. Mm -hmm. So there's a lot of plants that I have where I go to propagate them and I chop them and instead of just continuing at the next lower growth point, they just start exploding from yeah, every like growth. Point. Every single node is activated. How? Yeah. What is that process? I guess we're going to talk about oxen. <laughs> I guess we're going to talk about oxen. That is exactly right. So um, oxen is basically, well, there's lots of plant hormones. There's probably maybe like 10 that we know of but more and like different ones happen all the time and sometimes certain molecules act as hormone like it's uh i'm not a hormone expert by any means it's really complicated but um oxen is kind of like the big one that um dictates a lot of how the plant functions um it, it again it does a lot of different things but the big ones is that it it controls cell elongation and um, and also stops bud development. So it so it uh, it prioritizes the top meristem, or sometimes called the apical meristem, um, um, because in general plants are wanting to grow from that top growth point because it's generally the closest to the light source. Um, so so oxen does those two things, and then how it how it is sort of regulated is that it is degraded by sunlight so it's produced up in that shoot apical meristem and then it travels down through the phloem mm -hmm. um, to, there you go uh <laughs> travels down through the phloem and and stops all those other buds from activating to sort of prioritize that top shoot when you chop off the top you're chopping off the source of auxin and so those buds aren't sort of, um, they aren't inhibited anymore. And so they start to, to break, you know, in quotations, they, they start to, to start to grow. Um, 
which is cool. And so like a lot of gardeners, like not even uh, houseplant people, like a lot of people are they'll like pinch the tops of their basil or they'll prune things to encourage more branching. And that that is the, the physiology behind that is that you're inhibiting the auxin and that allows those other buds to break and sort of start new growth. Um, and you can do it over and over again because at, at one point, like the next bud will sort of become the apical one. And, and apical is really just, uh, or like the topmost bud, is really just in relation to other buds. So it can change which one is oh, which, and then you can choose that them. And... Sure, yeah, I bet. It's split and one is growing and the other just stopped. Oh yeah, yep, exactly. Yep, so so the, the plant is sort of like, the resources in the plant are like, oh, this one, we're going with this guy, he's going like, great. And then the other one's like, I'm here. It's but like if that cheap. top one, that's why it stopped one of them. Fucking Clifford. <laughs> That's my roommate's Fucking Clifford. I love that name. That's a good one. Um, another thing that Oxen does. Oh, go ahead, sorry. I was saying much better than Brownie because I just learned before we were talking that uh, Clifford's name was Brownie beforehand, but oh. um, he's black, so I don't know why he would be a Brownie unless oh. he was a burnt Brownie. Yeah, a little, 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 little questionable for sure. Um Oh, so the other thing that oxygen does is, uh, I said cell elongation. So oxygen is also what causes your plants to stretch or etiolate, which is just the fancy word for stretch out. Um, because it is degraded by sunlight, if it is not being degraded by sunlight, it causes that those sections to stretch. And because it travels through the phloem um, on the outer ring, uh, it, if one side of the plant is getting light, that side won't elongate and the other side will. And so you'll get this sort of bending effect yeah. towards the light. Isn't that crazy? <laughs> yeah. Like, again, it's magic, but then like, there's a reason. Like there's you, there's a reason for, for all of it. And it's so fun to learn about it. Cause then you're like, I know exactly why this is happening. Yeah. It's and like, I, I know yeah. that happens. And I'm yeah. Like, okay, it's like, yeah, of course they I, want I the light. I know how to counteract this, but yeah. I don't know what's actually going on in the yeah. background. Like now you <laughs> chemically yeah. know what your plant is thinking and why, like, that's crazy to me. I just love yeah, it. Yeah. Really cool. <laughs> it's exciting. Um, it is exciting. And it's, uh, I think it's really empowering too. Cause because you can start to avoid things like as soon as like I can tell if a plant is edulated, even if it's not that much, because it'll also get kind of like pale or like, like I can see it like immediately. And when you and as I'm sure you guys know, when you have so many plants and you're around plants for a lot you or for a long time, you you start to be able to like catch those nuances uh, really quickly and and see like, oh, that like that was not growing that way before. Um, and, and that's, that's something that really only comes with experience. And that's what I tell a lot of people too, is like, and, and that's a lot of the advice on the internet too, is like, you have to kill plants basically mm -hmm. <laughs> that you have to, you have to learn and you have to see what goes wrong to know what goes right. Um, and I love to tell people that even, uh, botanists at botanical gardens kill plants because it, it's true because people like even professionals kill plants. There's like a percentage that you just know are going to die. And that just happens. Uh, sometimes 
they just don't make it. It's natural selection at work, baby. Yes. <laughs> Some plants just aren't going to make it. They just, yeah. they just say and it, I mean, it's true in the wild, too. Like, that again, that is how natural selection Survival works. Survival of the fittest. Just, yeah. They just, they don't get it. And in our homes, generally, those that are most tolerant of neglect are those that sit, stick around. Like, the oldest yeah. plants I've seen, Hoyas, um, Schaeffleras, uh um thanksgiving cactus those are probably the big snake plants too like those are the ones that like survived the ages Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) but um and also some plants sort of do have a lifespan in theory because of their their modular growth they could possibly be immortal we could talk about that too but um I what? think we need to do a whole second follow-up episode on that. What a concept. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh my god! But, Science with Shea Flora. Yeah, we could do. We could do it. <laughs> Amazing. I, I got. Oh. I got five years of botany info for you. Our science correspondent. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I would be happy to do it. I. I mean, that's what I like too. Like, I feel like there's so much good. Uh, Plant, houseplant information on the internet and there's also so much bad houseplant information on the internet people like, are just giving it out for the hell of it at this point yeah like they're like i have four plants like i can be a plant influencer and i'm like you know like live your dreams but i'm sorry you have no idea what you're doing like, i'm like i always encourage like, people i'm like get on share your plants you don't need yeah. to share your care tips yeah yeah exactly like, i'm like i want to see it I want to see it. And I think that happens in a lot of like other hobbies, just with the way that Mm -hmm. the internet works. It's just kind of like everyone is pet uh, people, like animal people are crazy. Oh, Oh, I fish talk. Like I was just when I was, I, so I reached out to fish talk when I got my fish tank to try to get some tips because like I used to be a very successful fish keeper in my younger years, but I hadn't done it in so long. And I was like, uh, oh God, they're brutal. Oh my God, they're so mean. Like there's certain people that don't want to teach you. They're like, if you're not going to do this, don't even fucking bother. Like, <laughs> oh my God. I was, I was watching a dude earlier on TikTok talking about his birds. His like these birds that he loves. He like rescues birds, I guess. And he's like, he briefly mentioned something like the people who like are specifically into this one breed are psycho. He's like, I'm not going to talk much about them because the, the people are going to come for me, whatever the bird people of this yeah. one species. I mean, think about like Tiger King, you know, like... <laughs> Those are real people. Like there are people. Like Psycho. not even the main characters, maybe, mm-hmm. but like some of the side characters that we they, have like, a Tiger King like, in, in our too. realm. What's that? King. <laughs> I said we have our own Tiger King. I think they call oh. him the Albo King. <laughs> oh um, yeah. Some yeah, people are gonna get it when they listen to this, and some people are gonna be like. Nicole, you're going to get us dogs. People are going to be messaging John. <laughs> I'm going to message from John. He's like, what the fuck are you fucking talking about me on your podcast? Anyways. Well, but it, it, I mean, it is like, it's amazing how like up in arms people get. And, and the people again, who are just any like hobby, going like, through, I'm like, where are you getting all these elbows? Like all like when you people like panning over the room and there's just like cups and cups and cups and buckets and buckets of like single cuttings of elbows. Like clearly yeah. they've like bought all these plants and they're like. Only chopping them up because they know that's the only way they're going to make their money back because they got yeah. a good deal on this whole owl plant. So they're going to cut the whole thing up so they can make yeah. their money back and more. <laughs> You're gross. Yeah. Yeah. Not about it. Not about it. Um, that's a, that's something that makes me really sad. And like, I think over the pandemic too, because houseplants like 
skyrocketed in popularity, like really, really fast. Um, I think a lot of people went like really deep, really fast. And then like actually didn't know how to take care of plants. Yeah. It's like, the obsession, the status symbol. People are yeah. After. And like, but they, they very much are living. Like they are not, it's not like collecting Squishmallows. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I've been on a lot of Squishmallow Dude, oh, Aftershock TikTok. So many Squishmallow people on my TikTok lately. And I'm like, I got to stop watching through these whole videos. The TikTok algorithm is on to me. Oh my God, funny. <laughs> I can't. Oh, yeah. that's a, that's a, people are dedicated to it lining up. and Yeah, I'm on like people who got really people. dedicated and now don't want to be dedicated anymore. They're, Squishmallow TikTok. <laughs> they're recovering Squishmallow-aholics. Oh, Reformed Squishmallow people. Yeah. I mean, admittedly, like when I first started really getting to plants, which was maybe like five or six years ago, or yeah, probably five years ago, um, uh, I was like totally a hoarder. Like I kept every cutting and like, I kept oh, yeah. every any free plant, like I'll leaf. take it all. Take, give me all yeah, your rehabs, like anything. And it was, it was gr- like, it was kind of gross at a certain point. Like it was like, not like these plants aren't happy. I'm killing most of them. Like it wasn't, it wasn't a good place. And then now I'm like, okay, now I have, I don't know how many house plants I have, maybe like a hundred. I don't really actually have that many in my house, but I take care of so many that it's it's kind of weird. Yeah. Um, uh, but now it's like my, my collection is very much reduced from what it maybe once was at a certain time, but now I have plants that I actually really like and maybe like saved up for and stuff that I, I even like knew that I was going to be able to take care of. Like the, the only plant that I've really, well, actually, today, today I bought my first plant in a long time, and I bought a pinguicula, which I'm very excited ah! about. With a little, yeah. We are obsessed over we here. We are pink people. Yeah. <laughs> They're so cute. They're so cute. So I'm really excited about that. My partner also really likes carnivorous plants. Um, Pings so are so easy, in my opinion. The be- oh, yeah. yeah. The easiest carnivorous plant. The best. Like, the flowers wow. are chef's kiss. Um, and now, so um, I don't know if you've, like, had any of them before, but now I'm getting into separating them um, because I had noticed that every time they flower, they, like, divide, basically. Yeah, and then there's, like, baby. multiple plants. So now I've been able to actually pull them apart. I ripped one of Brandon's apart, too. And then, like, actually have multiple and plants. And now the, the separation is flowering. Yeah. Amazing. I love wow. it. And the flowers are so gorgeous. So yeah. pretty. When they have multiple so they had one that was flowering at the nursery. I, I didn't get that one because I was like, oh, I want to see if I can get it to flower. Oh, myself. yeah. You totally but can. Like, well, it's so Like yeah. the ones Nicole gave me within a month flowering. Oh, I have, I've had like flowers come out of ones that are the size of a dime. Like they don't need to be very mature to be flowering. They yeah, don't the even one that I have like. Seen. And yeah. the flowering doesn't seem to like stunt the plant. Yeah, it at doesn't all. do like it, it. They don't mind it. I've had multiple flowers on mine. I don't cut them off. Um, I just let the plant like like the one that you, it'll decide when it's done yeah. with the it, first one right? you gave me is probably flowered a fifty to sixty times since <laughs> you've given it to me. Um, wow! I think this um, brings us into a good segue into our like last big topic um, sure. since we've been t- talk- talking at each other for a while. Um, and that's just why is it important to share these uncommon plants? Like, why Uh, should we care about it? And why should we not be so greedy, maybe? Yeah, capitalist motherfuckers. (laughs) Um, We love anti-capitalist plant stuff. Or I guess now you know me a little bit better. But like, 
uh, I don't talk about it a whole lot, like definitely not on TikTok or even on my social media very much, but I'm like a huge leftist and I'm like, not mm-hmm. like, there are a lot of things about this world that make me very angry. And that is something that I'm very passionate about, but it spills, it spills <laughs> in a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess the number one thing about like sharing plants and sharing, um, especially like uncommon quote uncommon or rare plants mm-hmm. uh it's a biodiversity thing but it's also like a kindness thing and actually a resilience thing so so maybe not so much in the world of like monstera albo or something like there's so many albos in the world like mm-hmm. it's not rare like there there are literally tens of they're thousands. being hoarded and yeah, they're being, made well, to be more they're being hoarded but they're also just like there's enough of them that it's never gonna like quote go extinct mm-hmm. and yeah. also they're nowhere near like, being endangered yeah no way yeah no way and um and uh and honestly, like that plant's ecological uh, place in the real world is not hyper important. Like Monstera is actually a weed, like even mm. just regular Monstera is a weed in like Florida and Hawaii and other tropical regions around the world because it is so voracious and like such a strong grower, which is why it makes a great house plant, but um, is hard to uh, sort of keep from growing all over everything and like literally trees yeah um but we love them we love them uh but um in general what what's really cool that like botanical institutions and even private collections do is is you share plants so that there's so many of a plant in so many different collections that it could never go extinct and there are even examples where um plants maybe were in the wild and then someone collected them and shared them around to maybe a few different uh, private collectors and also botanical gardens and then that region was actually um, like oh there was an example I don't remember exactly what plant but I I read about it or I sorry watched about uh, in one of uh, summer rain oaks's videos about Fairchild Gardens which is a botanical garden in uh, Miami and Summer is another like plant plant fluencer lady, um, but she makes pretty good videos. Uh, that one specifically, anyway. Uh, in Puerto Rico, they lost an entire like endemic population of this one plant because of the hurricanes, and they were actually able to reintroduce the plant to that area from collections um, in botanical gardens and also in private collections. So. It's kind of like the um, like the job that I'm starting mm-hmm. is you you want to protect that genetic information um, because uh, sometimes in the wild like shit happens and mm-hmm. entire populations of a certain species will get wiped out in like a day, uh, which is terrifying honestly. And um, it, for some plants, uh, some plants are really like keystone species in their uh, quote communities or in their ecosystems. And um, uh, like sometimes they have like specific pollinators that rely on them for food and animal interactions. And maybe they uh, have a mutualism with a, another type of plant or something. And if those plants are, are lost, 
then um, they're gone forever. And those other species will be affected as well. And that can happen really rapidly and can ca cascade very quickly and uh, to great detriment to entire ecosystems, even if just one species is lost. So while it may not be so important for like uh, biodiversity for like rare plants and house plants, um, the idea still applies and, and the, the sharing uh, aspect is important because one, it makes things more accessible to, to people who are starting out in the hobby, um, uh, drives the prices down. Um, yeah, like that's not what like greedy people want, right? But, mm -hmm. but it is. <laughs> Oh my god! Like, like the obliqua post. Do you remember that? I oh my yeah. gosh! I I do actually have a botanical question about obliqua yeah. that really relates to this. So two years ago, there were only seventeen people in the world that had obliqua, and then all of a sudden, it was everywhere. Do you know more about that oh, or yeah. any everyone, of the behind the scenes? Because... Everyone was hashtag it's never obliqua. Yeah, yeah. I I don't know about that specifically. I know that it, I, I know that you're, um, it was like really, really, really rare because it was, and there, um, uh, a lot of Monstera species, um, and, and tropical species in general grow in really, um, limited areas, uh, because of how dense the, the forest is there, like particularly the cloud forest in say like, uh, Costa Rica. If you if you're in one section and then you walk 200 meters in another direction, you're going to have like a whole different set of plants. That's how dense it is and how uh, limited the, the specific ranges of species are. So there's going to be a ton of different species in the same genus, maybe in a very small region. So I think Oblika um, was collected maybe twice. And then those two plants were propagated and sent around to different people. And, um, and basically they, they weren't on the market because there wasn't really demand for them for a long time. They were just like, this is weird, like, cool. Like, you, <laughs> yeah. you can look at these it. holes, so cool. Yeah, yeah, look at that big holes, it's funny, that's weird. Um, and that happens with a lot of plants too, is like they're, they've been growing in collections forever. It's just like, there was never really the demand for it. And that's something that's really crazy with social media as well. So, so what I think happened is, I mean, it is a Monstera. It is fairly, I've heard it's fairly difficult to grow. I don't have one, but um, heard it's fairly difficult to grow. But like, if you have a few people who uh, say, let's say eight cuttings. And then those, those eight people make eight cuttings after, you know, because it was so valuable for so long, I think people were really apt to propagate it when they did get it mm -hmm. um, and didn't really like let it grow for that long. Like I think Enid at, um, at uh, NSE Tropicals, like she just had one like growing under her nursery bench like she didn't care about it and then she probably cut it up and then gave that to people and then those people and, it, and it's sort of the exponential way about plants is so interesting that we can just chop them up and then like make new ones which is weird but uh <laughs> amazing but I think I think it just uh I think it was just propagated really quickly and and spread around really quickly and now like you said now it's really available to everyone um which is cool and people can get a little bit more interested in about like um uh, like the different maybe forms of it. Uh, and like, that's what I hope will happen with a lot of plants. So. Yeah, I can, oh, I can't stop thinking about the Facebook post when like there's a specific oblique selling group and they didn't want the 
like value to be diminished so quickly. So they put a halt to sales. They were like, I'll only trade. I was like, you can trade and share pictures all you want, but no selling buying of oblique in this group because we don't want to devalue the species because no one fucking wanted them. I was like, the demand is going down. Like it's so strange. People were over it. I'm like, people were growing these from nodes. People really think that they've like found their niche for like their life's work. They're like, yeah, I'm going to be an oblique seller. And they probably, those people probably like invested a ton of money up (laughs) front. That's why these people are deranged. They cannot accept the fact that they took their fancy little plant car off the lot and it diminished in value immediately. <laughs> and they want their money back, but I'm sorry, that's just not how it works. It's not how it works. Plants really aren't a great investment. Like, They're not, no. Unless, like, unless, unless you're, you're like really unless you're a greed, yeah, unless you're a greedy fucker that's chopping yeah. the whole thing up. <laughs> and like yeah. we were talking with Sonia, like cacti, that's a little bit more because they do mm-hmm. not grow quickly. Like you gotta yeah. wait 25 years before oh, yeah. it's mature. You gotta listen to reality, our episode like with Sonia. Sonia made me cry. <laughs> Yeah, it's like horticulturalists will sell like large cacti. I find this like when I'm trying to buy big cacti for clients, they're really expensive, mm-hmm. which makes sense because these cacti are probably like 15 years old and um, they're expensive. The, the grower really isn't making that much money. Like they, they horticulturists in general, uh, like they do their business on a very, very fine margin um, because <laughs> Because there's so much input that goes into these plants. And even though you're going to pay like a high price tag, uh, that's that's years and years of labor. Like my dad, he grows trees. He sells trees when they're maybe like eight or 12 feet tall. And he's been growing them for maybe five to eight years. And there's a ton of water that goes into that. They prune them, they fertilize them. There's like, you know, that is a, it is a long-term investment and you're really not making money. Yeah. Charging your hourly wage for that plant that you raised for years. <laughs> yeah. No way. Like it would never happen. Like, you know, I have an hourly rate. If I charge people that for like one plant, it would be, you know, like it just doesn't, it, it doesn't, uh, conflate to the value like that. Um, yeah, if you flip, like chop and flip a plant, yeah, maybe you'll make some money. You'll make like, okay, maybe you make a hundred couple bucks, but like in this economy, like that's really <laughs> yeah, not Mike, that you're gonna be cutting, Yeah, you're going to be cutting up a lot of plants. Like, yeah, you're going to have to be cutting up a lot of plants. Yeah. Which is what they do. Mm. Anyways. <laughs> Um, well, we've been chatting for a while. Yeah, we're, um, we're, this is one of our longer episodes. We yeah. definitely have to have a part two. <laughs> I we, have learned more well, in the last hour and a half. Long. I hope people like yeah, it. Yeah, we just touched the surface of the planty science, which I'm really excited about because well, this funny, isn't yeah, something that we can really give people. This isn't like I don't have any education on the plants. Like, it's just my special interest and hobby yeah, we have no professional training. yeah i did not go to school for this shit i went to school for i feel like everything but this <laughs> how many times i've changed my picture i obviously couldn't understand plant cell biology so i stopped there yeah i literally like <laughs> skipped math any way i could with my ba so i don't well, know seriously science. like something that i think has made a huge difference in my life again is like teachers and having good teachers it sounds so cliche like you know adults always tell you that you're like yeah you hope you have good teachers like blah, blah, blah. but it really does make a world of difference i've had some really cool science teachers and then of course my botany teachers are rad and then also just like being i think exposed to plants and science at a young age like 
you know, gave me maybe a leg up, but I think um, I, I hope that science in general, particularly we're talking like very Western sort of European standard science, which is not always, I don't think is um, like the, the pinnacle of science by any means. It's just what I'm trained in personally. Um, Braiding Sweetgrass is a great book. I have it right here um, that has like an indigenous perspective about botany as well, which is really beautiful. I've heard of that one. Um, yeah, definitely worth reading. Uh, I, I listened to it on tape as well, but a good one. Um, but, um, but I really hope that science can be more accessible because scientific understanding is like, I think also helps with like empathy and understanding the world and um, feeling like the beautiful, like reciprocal nature of nature, you know? Um, and there's a lot of, uh, it's not all just like chemistry and numbers and like gross, like, I think a lot of people recoil when they talk, like, when people say science or when people say biology. Um, and I hope to, like, change that with with my videos and, like, with my outreach on my, uh, in my little circle that I have. Um, and and uh, it's fun to see people get really excited about it. So I appreciate you guys having me here, too. Yeah. Well, thank you. It's, it's very exciting <laughs> to us. It's, I don't know, it's, how could you think that that's, like, gross or weird, like, just having the universe explained to you because that's we, like I feel like we're like very in tune with the universe we just know the behind the scenes so now yeah. that have, knowing more of the behind the scenes makes it just so much more profound mm -hmm. yeah and, it, more and that's what I find exciting too is like the more you know the more you know you don't know right maybe you've heard that before mm -hmm. and it and it is true like it really is like you could you could study the world and everything in it for millions of years and not have unturned every rock. Like it's, it's uh, really expansive. And so it's really, um, for me, it's really fulfilling because it, uh, it's, it's not dependent on a ton of stuff, but it's really special when you know, I, I don't know, <laughs> I could get really cheesy about it. I already kind of have, but it, it, it's really cool. Uh, there's a lot to learn and there's a lot of fun to have doing it. Like also just doing scientific exploration is like fun. Like, yeah, let's go poke around in the dirt and like look at worms and uh, like cut up plants and cut up flowers and like look <laughs> at their insides. Like it's so weird, but it's so awesome. Like a microscope, that that's like the number one thing sometimes I tell people is um, like buy yourself a microscope, buy yourself like a $20 little microscope and some slides and just like cut it up and like look at cells oh my god it's so we beautiful do i don't need another hobby <laughs> <laughs> i don't need another closet of things Fair enough. i'm already Fair struggling enough. you know how much stuff is in my basement now i'm like all my painting stuff all the embroidery stuff all of the oh, yeah. like musical instruments well like, the thing is you're like good at a lot of things i'm not good at a lot of things so for me it's like i invest all this money in a hobby that i'm not good at <laughs> I don't want to try anything I'm not good at. You got to figure out what you're like the, the little things that make it good, make you good at things. And it also then doesn't matter just... if you're not good at stuff. Like if you're just I was having like, I fun, will not that's fail. what it matters. Well, my brain does not have fun when it's not doing good. So <laughs> I, I know how that goes. I am. Yeah, I get that too. But yeah. <sighs> well, I definitely think we need to do a part two. So we will definitely have to uh, 
dive into some more of these sciencey questions because this was so fun. Like I wanted to keep going, but okay, obviously yeah. we, we need to make this digestible. <laughs> yeah. And speaking of digestion, I'm hungry. Yeah, me too. It's, Same. it's about Food that time. time. All He's right, friend. Time. Well, I'm so happy you guys liked it enough to do part two. That's nice. Oh my God. Um, <laughs> like, let's get this scheduled like ASAP. <laughs> yeah, no, this is really fun. And I think it's, uh, it's a cool way to like, for me to talk to new people and to like, get again sort of get this information out there and hopefully make plants a little bit more or plant science specifically a little bit less intimidating absolutely yes well do you want to plug your business and tell people where they can find you and what you've got going on yeah sure so um the best place to follow me is probably instagram at shayflora c-h-e-z-f-l-o-r-a um, that means house of plants in French, roughly, um, which is kind of fun. I like it. Um, and then I have a website, which you can find through my Instagram as well. Um, you can find my plants here locally at Kansas City Kitty Boutique, which is a really amazing um, women's clothing boutique. We also have like accessories and lots of other cute stuff. The girls that work there are like amazing. They're so sweet. Um, so I have plans there and then, um, and then, yeah, on TikTok also Shea Flora, C-H-E-Z-F-L-O-R-A. Yes. You guys go follow them on TikTok for just those random little snippets of science. There's just always something. You need to, you need to take that then and make your, make that your little thing. Yeah, That should be your hashtag. Yeah. Yeah. Is that a hashtag? That's a good one. That is a good one. Nicole, Nicole should have gone to school for marketing. Not going to (laughs) lie. I did. And I, it was one of my 10 majors. <laughs> Thank you. I hated my marketing class. Oh, so perfect. Snippets of science. I'm using that. Thanks. Do it. Do yeah, it, do neither it. of us are going to use it. So <laughs> it's all yours. So things I come up with and I'm like, friends, please take my ideas. I don't have the means to make it a oh, thing. Oh, I love it. Sharing is caring. We love, love it. it. All right, Brandon, where can people find you? You can find me on social media, Brandon Botanical, Instagram, TikTok, and the YouTube. You can also find my Amazon storefront at Brandon Botanical. You can find my website, monsteraplant.co, where I sell plants and other planty things. We mm-hmm. do actually this episode. Oh, when is this airing? I know. It's hard to talk about when things Oh, well, are- it's a monthly thing. Okay, if you live in the Minnesota area, uh, we will be having a monthly. Are you going to be doing a monthly thing? Yeah, it's month. It's going to be like, okay, we're gonna April to September, probably. You better be quitting your second job then. Uh- I'll hold you to it. <laughs> We are doing a monthly plant swap and vendor market. Um, It is called Foliage Fling and Market. We will have it all over our Instagram, monsteraplant.co, and our website, I'm sure. So Mm -hmm. sign up for our mailing list if you want to get that first email. Come hang out. I wish I could come to the plant swap. That'd be so fun. I know. Sam wants us to, like, interview people in person and, like, talk about that. I think it'll be fun, especially having multiple months where we can actually, like... Mm-hmm. do it she she also had the smart idea that we shouldn't run our own booth we should have people run our booth so then we can we run can run event. around <laughs> yeah nice that sounds fun um also we did we deemed you the uh plant swap coordinator so that's your responsibility <laughs> I just surprise <laughs> i'll plan the swap yeah i was like we could probably delegate that <laughs> to nicole i've watched enough um I, you have done enough of them yeah, and where can they find you, Nicole? And uh, Nicole Larson grows on Instagram and tickety talkity. 
And you can find our podcast at Where Are We Growing uh, on Instagram and wherearewegrowing.com is our website. Uh, and definitely go to our website. You can find your favorite podcast provider. We're on all the weird ones too. But if you happen to all be listening on ones. Apple, definitely give us a five-star review. Again, we have not had enough to uh, read them on air. So please give us a review so we can read it on air. But only if it's five stars, because we like to bully you into giving us good ratings. Yeah, Brandon will cry <laughs> if it's any less. I, I bought a $600 soundboard, $300 of mics, all because of one four-star review. Also, someone gave us a four-star review on Spotify, and I am not happy about Wait, it. Wait, did they say anything? It's just- you can't say anything on Spotify, so I don't know why they, they only gave us four stars. They just dropped the star <laughs> so and four, ghosted. We're 4.9. <laughs> 4.9? Probably because the audio on season one. <laughs> so anyway, please give me a five-star review or I will cry. <laughs> oh my God, I might too. Jesus. <laughs> oh my God. People are brutal out there. Okay, Nika, thank you very much for being with us. Yeah, thank we you will, so much for having me. This yeah. is so much fun. We will be chatting soon. Um, should Alex, we throw yeah. the music in there, Brandon? Oh, shoot. We keep forgetting to play the music, so maybe it'll be playing now, maybe not. We'll see when the <laughs> yeah. post-editing happens. Just another step that I will forget to do. <laughs> you better remember. Sometimes I gotta be like, hey, Brandon, it's Wednesday. Where's, Where's the, podcast? the podcast? And then I wake up at 8 Sometimes I just don't say anything. I'm like, you know, he's Is probably it every Wednesday? It's supposed to be. <laughs> Love it. Love it. <laughs> Have a good one, guys. Bye. Bye. Bye.